0: Entering the Freedom Hut.
1: Thanksgiving in the time of COVID. New York City's got checkpoints set up. California goes into full-on lockdown. Plus, Joe Biden wants to end America first. Trump is set to pardon General Flynn. and woke staffers at Simon and Schuster start crying.
0: This, this is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission, our mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Russia. One thing. make no mistake. America, great here, great America. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. He's a great guy. It is Buck Sexton. Now.
1: Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Yes, Thanksgiving is just a day away, and you are to be very afraid. You are to be terrified. You're not supposed to see family members stay at home. If you don't do this, the people in charge are telling you you don't care about your loved ones. This is quite A period in our history isn't it never really thought that we'd reach a point where the government would have to be told that they can't tell you to do absolutely anything that there are some limits as they set up checkpoints and enforce testing and have these rolling lockdowns and on the spot quarantines this stuff is completely nuts friends and i understand the death rate now is high from covid i understand that there's a spike in cases we've been Getting ready for this for months, we've known that there was this possibility. How many times have you heard about the so-called second wave? But they're telling you to sacrifice Thanksgiving. Why just Thanksgiving? Notice that this is their latest thing. It's the, This is the panic of the moment. Let's give up this one day. Thanksgiving is now 15 days to slow the spread, but it's just one day. We're going into a winter here. Where it's going to be months of this. Everyone needs to understand there's going to be at least at least 90 days here where there's there's not enough of the vaccine out there, even if it gets distributed in December to really control the to to control the virus in a meaningful way. And so it's not it's not really about just one day. It's about many days. It's about they're going to say it this one time because when you don't do what they tell you, they're going to they're going to tell you that it's it's your fault. And that's why there's these cases. It could have all gone away. But you didn't listen to Fauci when it came to Thanksgiving travel. You've got six point three million Americans that are currently flying, 48 million uh, driving in cars, 350,000 estimated to be traveling by train for the holidays. So, yes, there's there's transit all all over the country that is going on right now. But the cases have been spiking for weeks and weeks. We're, we're we're ahead of Thanksgiving and the cases are going nowhere but up, despite the lockdowns, despite the mask mandates, despite the fact that we're doing more testing than ever before. Remember when if we just were testing more, it was all Trump's fault. If we did more testing, everything would have been so much better. And I kept saying. What, what does testing do other than give you a sense of whether you yourself are sick at a point in time? First of all, testing is not perfect, as you know, but beyond that, it doesn't stop the virus from spreading. It's not, oh, we tested this person, we got it. That was back in the old test and trace days when they were going to find out everyone who has COVID and everyone they've talked to and quarantine all of them. And think about the delusions of control that go into that. Think about this prospect That the government was going to be able to track what hundreds of thousands of people, every physical contact they have. And once they've tracked them, what do they do then? Tell everybody, don't go out, don't go to the store, don't see anyone. You're going to quarantine, too. It doesn't work. It's not working. I I mean, am I saying anything that's not self-evident? Is there anything here that I'm seeing that everyone else is not seeing? And you think that it would be done after Thanksgiving? You think that when we got to Christmas, they'd say, you know what? Take take precautions. This virus is going to spread. We can't stop it. But uh, enjoy your Christmas. Enjoy your Hanukkah. Enjoy the holidays. You think they'd say that? No, of course not. This is what I mean by it's 15 days to slow the spread all over again, except the one day is Thanksgiving. It's this one time. That's what they're pretending, at least. We know that's not true. We know that next week they're still going to be saying, wear that mask and don't go anywhere and don't see anyone. You can't run a society this way. Right. The, The little the little petty totalitarians that think that they can just give orders and dictates and that people are all going to obey. There aren't enough cops. There aren't enough agents of the state, public health bureaucrats. They can't do this, even if they wanted to, because human behavior is not going to entirely change. We're not going to freeze Society in place. I know they like that term more than lockdown now because lockdown does bring up ideas of prison because that's where the term comes from. And people realize that that's something you do to punish people. Right. So we're all being punished because there's an aerosolized virus that hundred ninety nine people out of a thousand who get will survive. That's where we are now. I understand that still means in a country of 330 million people, there are a lot of folks out there who are at risk from this. But they're going to be at risk no matter what the government says, no matter what Fauci says. This this is the part that they won't tell you. This is the part that they won't discuss out loud. They pretend, oh, don't worry, we've got this. This is the illusion of state control. They cannot protect you from this. It is most likely that individuals will get this from a family member, and that family member may get it completely innocuously by just going about their lives and being around other human beings you you cannot be fully protected from this you know what's really important to protect yourself actually and they never discuss this although it does appear in some of the very boilerplate health propaganda i see you know posters at the office i'm going into an office every day i'm around people yes i'm i'm in i'm in uh, cars i'm Uh, you know, going to places where there are other human beings and there is the possibility that I could get sick. I understand that. And there's no guarantee that if I get sick, I'll beat it or that I won't have long covid or whatever they're calling it now when it extends. I I get all this, but I'm not going to hide in my room until the until Dr. Fauci tells me that it's safe to come out. I'm not going to do that. There is no perfect safety from a virus, just like there's no perfect security when we were all concerned about terrorism in the wake of 9-11. Right? remember that You're seeing some similar themes play out here. The government taking more and more power into its hands and, yes, violating the Constitution, doing things it should not be able to do. But we were scared and we faced what we thought was an existential threat. So we allowed for that overreach. But eventually you'll notice we realized it wasn't necessary and we pushed back and we got rid of some, but not certainly not all, perhaps even uh, not even a majority of the government overreach that resulted from that. Right. We understand that this is the natural inclination of a state authority. It's going to say, do what we tell you, and we'll make everything better. Have you felt like that's happened during this period? Are you going to listen to the public health experts that are shutting down California outdoor dining? Why? They're just punishing people, don't you see? That's the step they take because what they've told the people of California to do before didn't work. So what do they do? go to a more extreme level to make it seem like they're doing something. And then when people don't adhere to this perfectly, which they will not, they'll say, well, we could have saved all of you, but you didn't listen. The alternative to this, understand, is that there are a lot of people whose jobs are in public health, jobs are are supposed to mean that they come up with ideas to save so many lives here, and they have to admit we've completely, completely botched this whole thing. We didn't see it coming. We didn't prepare adequately. We didn't know what to do in the early days, in the early months. We've locked down when it wasn't a good idea, when it was already spreading all over the place and it was too late. We tried test and trace far too deep into the game, wasn't going to do anything, wasn't going to turn it around. Florida doesn't have a mask mandate. Florida doesn't have a lockdown right now, the way that other states do. And I see reporting on it that says Florida's cases are spiking. See, Florida doesn't have a mask mandate and its cases are spiking. Well, other major states of similar similar population are spiking much more than Florida. But they leave that out because people just want to believe that they're right. People just want to believe that what they thought, because they're smart, you know, they really think about this stuff. What they've thought in the past has been verified by the information, by the facts as it plays out. You can stay home for Thanksgiving if you want. That's your right. That is your liberty. You can make that choice. You cannot see anyone. You can stay home, you know. The human beings, we can last much longer than we realize with just if we got fresh water and you know you don't even you don't even need much in the way of calories, right? So if you don't want to leave your home for a couple of weeks, I mean, I probably should not eat for a week or two. I'd really trim down quickly. I mean, there's there's plenty of ways you could avoid human contact if you chose to do so, but you know, intermittent fasting style, right? You just avoid you avoid eating for four or five days. Don't go to the grocery store. Stay away from everybody on Thanksgiving. But I'm I'm trying to get everyone to think about this in terms of what's already happened and what's going to happen after this. Do you think that if you just stay home for Thanksgiving, you're you're safe from this? You think that if you just stay home from Thanksgiving, they're not going to tell you next week or next month. Uh, get ready to not see all your loved ones during Christmas. You know, there are a lot of people, if you look at you know, a- annual mortality rates, there are a lot of people for whom this will be their last Christmas in America. That's the truth. There are a lot of people for whom this may be their last Thanksgiving. Because they're at that phase in life where we are all heading. We are we are all united in this one thing and that we will not live forever. Should they be allowed to make decisions? I just spoke to a, a friend who was telling me that he's not all his mother's desperately ill in the hospital has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with covid, uh, but not allowed to go see her uh, because of covid. Can't go see her. Can't visit his own mother in the hospital because of covid restrictions. What? She doesn't have covid. Sorry, not allowed. You know, at what point do we look at the inhumanity of some of these decisions? And remember, they were making you the same people that are now telling you stay home, don't go out for Thanksgiving. They were making Americans say goodbye to loved ones via Zoom, couldn't go to the hospital and see them. Sorry, rules are rules. But they didn't have a lot to say, those same public health authority, those same uh, those same organs of the state. Didn't have much to say when BLM was running around by the thousands and thousands packed together. Shouting and screaming and protesting all over the place, right? That was necessary for public health, they told us. I haven't forgotten that. I'm never going to forget that because they're frauds. They're frauds. How do you think tyranny comes about? Do you think tyranny comes about because people just wake up one day and say, I don't want to have any freedom. I don't want to be able to make any of my own choices. No, there's always some opportunity that's seized upon. There's, There's a reason that people are angry or they're scared or they're vengeful. There's a reason that a society is able to succumb to that. And it's because of an external enemy, usually, or it's because of uh, internal enemies, right? It's because of some alleged fifth column inside of a society. In this case, the fifth column is the virus, or in this case, the, the invisible enemy that we face is the one that's allowed for so much overreach and unconstitutional mandates and lockdowns. They act like they're so clever. There's nothing that says that you can't, Mandate a mask and state government and we look at them and say yeah, there's just not being crazy There's just understanding that government can't mandate that you do There's no prohibition on everyone having to do a hundred push-ups every morning I mean the government could pass a mandate that says that but we expect they won't that that's our That's our our reasonable person expectation of government But even if they want to play that game, I would say what about Prohibitions on gathering for religious ceremonies for funerals, for weddings. That's in the Constitution. What, what state government thinks it's allowed to override that? O- on what basis? These are extreme infringements upon constitutional liberty. That's what's going on. I'm sorry that there is a terrible virus out there and that a lot of people are scared and a lot of people are getting sick. It is no one's fault. But liberty is not a suggestion. This isn't something that we're supposed to just let slip through our fingers, because things are tough right now. Freedom isn't free, my friends, and right now we are paying quite a price for it. And we can either have it at the end, or we can accept that the state can take us from us on take it from us on a whim. Those are your choices. That, and I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. For the last few days we've had a steady increase
2: in the number of cases there is no question that patients are coming into the hospital they're coming in sicker and they're coming in sicker because you know they're waiting longer to come to the hospital they're tired of, uh, of corona you know they have what i call the corona fatigue syndrome everybody's tired of corona so they wait they wait longer my uh, unfortunately my concerns for the next six to twelve weeks is that if we don't do things right, America is going to see the darkest days in modern American medical history. We're having a largest number of uh, patients. We have been helping the people from El Paso, so we've been getting a lot of patients uh, being flown in to our hospital. My hospital is full. I just opened two new wings so that I can accommodate for the next few days
1: because I know that a lot of people are gonna get sick after Thanksgiving. Okay. We've heard a lot of this before, and I think it's interesting that that was a doctor on CNN. He's telling you a a few a few points that I look. He's a doctor. I'm not. But let's just look at what he says as people that can listen and come to their own conclusions. If we don't do the right thing, we're going to be in the darkest days here of medical history in America. That's what he's saying, which or or at least modern modern America. Yeah, it's obvious. This is nowhere near as bad as the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918, despite what the media says. Uh, it's not not even close. Um, we have a much smaller population. That fatality rate was was in an, an order of magnitude or two uh, less than I mean more rather than what we have right now. So now let's get to what he says. Um, if we don't do the right thing, then we're going to be in this very bad place. Have we not been doing the right thing? I just want to know all, all of the evidence suggests that we're doing all this stuff. We've been doing all the stuff that the doctors have been telling us. Wear that mask, social distance, wear that mask everywhere you go. It is like it's like living in a covid obsessed North Korea. I can't stand in my elevator without seeing the little little foot pads on the floor. I'm serious. There are foot pads that show you how far apart to stand in an elevator. I'm sorry. I don't usually stand so close to somebody that I can Biden sniff their neck. I don't need to be told this, but it's everywhere. Wash your hands, social distance, wash your hands, mask up social. We've been doing this. And yet here we are. It's before Thanksgiving. So there can be no talk about how Thanksgiving already has been the, the big keynote of transmission. We're before Thanksgiving and they're telling us if we don't do the right thing, then it's going to get really bad. I'm here to tell you that it's going to probably get really bad either way. And they're never going to admit that doing the right thing is is at this point an absurd statement, because what have we been doing? How, how many more masks can you wear? I have I've. you can go back you can check on my Twitter before they start banning me for being one of the only people that will talk about this stuff. Honestly, there are others. I was just uh, texting with Alex Berenson last night and talking to him about his new book that's coming out. We'll have him on the show soon. Jesse Kelly has been rock solid on this issue. There there are others. There are people who will speak about this just as non brainwashed individuals. I'm I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I know what's not true. I know what's not real. And. We're supposed to ignore so much of that. And that's why I know there's a problem here. That's why I know there's an issue. You know, they act like if we don't listen to them on this one thing, it's, it's our fault. What does that even mean? It's our fault in, in what way? We're just trying to live our lives. We didn't appoint any group of MDs, Fauci or otherwise, America's COVID dictators. That's not what we signed up for. There, there's no clause in the Constitution that says that you have all these liberties and government shall not trans uh, uh, transgress shall not trespass upon them unless Dr. Fauci says it's going to be like a really bad Thanksgiving, you know, then all of a sudden your rights go away. No, that's not the way that it works. So they're they're already telling you and you can check on my Twitter that uh, what I was saying maybe a couple months ago that they're you need to wear better masks. That's the problem. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, former FDA chairman, big uh, M.D. that's constantly cited in the news. He just said it a couple days ago. Got to wear a better mask. You see, that's the problem. Oh, oh, gee, that wasn't predict. Oh, no, that's right. I did predict that.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and, Sex and Show podcast. podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This morning, we have over 88,000 people in this country hospitalized with COVID. That number is growing rapidly every place is like Minnesota, and Minnesota is like every place. That's what we have to understand right now, is that people have to take this seriously. Uh, and I have to tell you, I think many of us in this business, who are pretty hardened public health officials, have cried more tears collectively over the past weeks, talking to, working with, trying to support our frontline health care workers, who have been heroes, who at this point are trying to pull as many 16-hour shifts a week as they can, because we're show-sword staff. The public has to understand that. There may be beds there may be rooms but there won't be the doctors and nurses to take care of you and then we're going to see the death rate go up substantially please take this seriously don't swap air at, at this point that's the key message we can get across
3: why don't they just
1: say let's do 15 days to slow the spread again if hospital capacity is at risk i, I mean this. ask yourself that question if, if we're really going to have no doctors that was a biden advisor on covid michael osterholm there's so much about this that i find offensive honestly uh, it, it, are the people who are getting sick, did they not take it seriously? Is that now the new that now the new uh, line from the lockdowners? You, you didn't, it's your fault. You didn't take it seriously. I mean, there are other politicians who have said as much. You know, the, the stuff that the Democrats were saying about anyone who they think got sick at a Trump rally, for example, uh, was, was horrific. It, it's their fault, right? Well, is it people, is it everyone who's getting sick now? Is it their fault? That's what these psychopaths seem to be saying. And this uh, Osterholm guy, we've heard all this before. It it sounds they're they're revving this up so that it sounds uh, like they did in the middle of March. That's what we're getting. That's what we're heading back to right now. They're saying the most covid deaths since May. But remember, May was when the numbers started dropping precipitously across the country. So. Uh, but they're, they're saying that this is now threatening to overwhelm hospitals that you may not be able to get care. And if that's true, I just want to know why aren't we currently being told that we don't, we have to, we have to just shut everything down for 15 days because people like me would say, hold on a second. We did that before and did it work? It did not. Remember, fifteen days to slow the spread. Oh, the, first of all, the hospitals were never were never actually overwhelmed. This this uh, this doctor that I I had the soundbite on from before, uh, Osterholm, says that he his hospital is full. He had to open two new wings. Well, no, what that is is that hospitals keep an expansion capacity. This is they're not trying to operate. They they don't keep a hundred empty ICU beds staffed and ready at all times in hospitals. Right? They keep whatever they think they'll need for that period of time. And they have a a capacity to staff up and expand when needed. So when he says my hospital is full, what he means is that my usual level of staffing is insufficient for this particular hospital's needs. Hence his statement. I mean, just go with what he said. We had to open two new wings. Okay. Yes, we have both. the. Also, the flu is apparently gone. I'm just... I haven't seen any stories at all on the flu. We're right. We're in flu season. Have you seen anything about the flu? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about the flu. I'm not saying COVID is a flu. I'm just pointing out there's probably a couple of reasons why hospitals are seeing this influx right now. But it's all being pushed on COVID. And yes, fact, the flu kills tens of thousands of Americans every single year. You know, I've been alive for 38 years and the flu has killed tens of thousands of Americans every single year of my life. And in some cases, more like 60 to 100,000, but in in a particularly bad year right now, I'm just noticing that there's no there's no talk about this at all. It's only covid that we're blaming for all of the surgeon hospitals, and I'm sure it is a majority of it and everything else. I'm not trying to get beyond where the facts or where the truth is on this. I'm just saying there's a narrative that's being formed here, and it's more than just based upon the facts and data that come in. Right. The, why, why not go with uh, 15 days to slow the spread at this point? Why not? Why not tell us that that's if they're really worried that hospitals are going to be overwhelmed, go with a full on shelter in place order. California it, has got lockdown orders in place uh, as of tonight or as of today. And I can tell you this much right now. They're still going to have cases when they come out of this. It's not really going to stop anything. The only real argument here would be we have to we have to go into shutdown until the vaccine is in wide enough wide enough distribution. But people wouldn't go for that. They just wouldn't say, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do a lockdown for 90 days. At least 90 days. They would say no. So what do the public health authorities keep doing? Just give us. Just do this one thing. Just be responsible this one time. Keep your relatives alive one one week longer by not seeing them this time. We promise at some point in the future You know, people are, are they're just tired of this. They're tired of it. They, they don't want to live with the constant fear and the anxiety anymore. Other people, I suppose, have just become uh, adapted to it and they figure that this is the way to go and they want to listen to the public health authorities. They want to listen to the doctors and And whatever they tell them, they'll do, you know, notice that some of the worst and dumbest people in our leadership class are the biggest purveyors of panic and fear over this. Here's uh, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio play 14.
0: Well, if I'm saying to people and I talked about my family, but the first thing I'm saying to everyone is uh, do not travel. Uh, Stay local. Keep it small. If you love people, if you love your extended family. Help them stay alive so we can all celebrate together in person next year. Because I really believe by next Thanksgiving we'll be in uh, the kind of situation we can all come back together. So in my case, I would normally travel for Thanksgiving. I'm not going to. I'm going to be missing some of the people that are closest to me in the world that I would always see on Thanksgiving. I hate it, but I want to keep them safe.
1: That's right. If you see your family members, uh, you're putting their lives at risk. That's That's what the message is. Now, keep in mind that for a lot of people, they're around their family every single day. I know this is a shock to coastal elites and people that watch CNN, but there are multi-generational families that exist where there are six, eight, ten, maybe more people living in the same household. And they're still going out to the grocery store. They're showing up to their jobs. They're doing things. They're out there mixing. What are they going to do? Not live? not engage in, in normal uh, day-to-day activities that they need to for life. I mean, I know we can't be normal. We can't go to gyms and we got to wear masks. We gotta. But I'm saying, are they really just supposed to stay in their, in their room like we're all, uh, like, like we're teenagers who have been grounded? Is, is that the answer here? That's the best that these brilliant health authorities can come up with? Friends, if I thought this stuff would really work and would change... The trajectory of this virus i'd say look I, I and i was to be fair i thought 15 days to slow the spread that argument made sense to me and when the trump team and the uh, the trump white house was behind it i figured okay i didn't like it when they extended it past uh when they extended it past easter sunday remember that that was a big i was saying no 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 we got i think we got to we got to open things up now this is crazy we can't keep doing it and then they extended it and extended it and, People forget now the whole the whole game is to make you think that you have your freedom back. But you really haven't this whole time. There have been all kinds of restrictions in place, especially in the big blue states. You haven't been able to go do normal activities. So understand that they keep acting like, oh, we all just went back to life and now we're paying the price for it. No, I I can't walk out. my. I I literally cannot leave my building, walk out my front door without wearing a mask unless I want to you know, deal with the wrath of the city health authorities and the Karens who live in my building. So, no, it is not normal. We have not been living normal life and the cases are skyrocketing anyway. So what's their answer for this? I just want I just want the government to stop being tyrannical and I want people to be making their own choices and understand that there's no perfect security. There's no perfect safety. And we are all on borrowed time at some level. I mean, that doesn't mean you are reckless. It doesn't mean you forget that. As I've been saying, if you're sick, stay away from your relatives. Stay away from everybody. You know, if you think you have a cold, don't assume it's a cold. Stay away from people. And I, they'd say, oh, but what about asymptomatic transmission? I know it's not a perfect world. But if if we just had sick people that would know I'm sick and I'm going to stay away from people who are healthy, that would help a lot. I think, unfortunately, there are people who go, oh, I've just got a bad cough, but it's not. No, maybe it is COVID. So if you're sick, stay away from people. If you have a, a relative who's, you know, in her in her eighties and has diabetes, or you have a you know a great uncle who's in his late seventies and who's you know severely overweight, yeah, don't you know give him a big hug and cover him in kisses this Thanksgiving. I mean, of course, you know we we should act the way we would if we knew that there was, let's say, a really bad flu out there. We should we should take those similar precautions. But this is way beyond that. I knew that this would become the big fight, and that Biden and you know, I know the transition's going on. Now we'll be talking about that in a second. It wouldn't make all this go away. I knew that, but it's even it's even more extreme in some ways than I anticipated. Uh, this lockdown mentality from the government, and they're going to do this stuff again. They're going to use these newly found powers for other purposes. You know it. So we can either have this fight now, or we can. Except a future where we're all told where our feet can go in the elevator, in our office or in our building, where our feet can go in the grocery store, like we're all a bunch of idiot children. That's what the government's doing to us. And has it worked? I just ask you that question. They've been doing this to us now for eight months straight. Has it worked? I don't think so.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: Do you think that even though the journos are all convinced that Trump is finished as president, it's all over and they may they may be right. I I live in reality. It's not looking good right now. And people keep emailing me or sending messages to me. Look, a team, you can always reach out, ask me anything you want. And I always try to respond to you either on the show or or for individual messages as as much as i can but uh there's no reason to believe right now that there's going to be some knockout blow from the legal team uh we haven't seen it it might happen but we haven't seen it and things are trending toward Biden. i I hate saying it i I know i i don't want to say this stuff but it's it's the way it is it is the way it is Uh, but there's there's not even a little bit of a let up here for Okay, so if they really believe Trump is a lame duck president, if he's a lame duck president, is he just allowed to pardon a turkey? Can you let the lame duck pardon a turkey without making it into some some uh, opportunity to shout about how orange man bad? Nope. The journos cannot do that. Play two.
3: Pardons before leaving office. Will you be asking a pardon for yourself?
1: Mr. President, are, are you are you uh, are you issuing a pardon for yourself? Are you issuing a pardon for yourself? Right. He can't pardon the turkey without them saying, hey, orange man, bad criminal. Are, are you going to abuse your authority to make sure that we can investigate and harass you afterwards? It is an interesting question because does Trump care what they think? No, he does not. And do I think there's a, a real possibility that when he leaves office, they will come after him with some kind of. Remember, they don't have to prove anything about illegal conduct from Trump to ruin his life, his family's lives. All they have to do is investigate you. What have we learned during Trump? The process is the punishment from the deep state. That was always a part of this. That's all. O- that's always been the reality that we were facing that we were dealing with the process is the punishment we know that we know that so that's why i think it's interesting you have uh matt gates here he is on the president and possible pardons play seventeen. President
4: Trump should pardon Michael Flynn, he should pardon the Thanksgiving turkey, he should pardon everyone from himself to his administration officials to Joe Exotic if he has to, because you see from the radical left a bloodlust that will only be quenched if they come after the people who worked so hard to animate the Trump administration with the policies and the vigor and the effectiveness that delivered for the American people. Yeah. And so I think that the president ought to wield that pardon power effectively and robustly.
1: There are reports out right now that President Trump is going to pardon General Flynn. And it's I understand the people who say, oh, he waited up to this point because he wanted Flynn to just beat it in court. But you see, this is where my whole the process is the punishment. This is a perfect example of that. Right. The, the Kafkaesque nightmare that they have put General Flynn through. This was meant to be a warning to anybody who would support Trump. This was meant to be a warning. What happens when you step out of line and you challenge the political elites in the establishment? They will flin you. That was the whole point of this. And unfortunately, the message was successful in a sense, or at least their plot was successful, because why did this judge? Uh, Emmett Sullivan. Why would Judge Sullivan keep extending and extending and and do this unprecedented lunatic stuff where he brings in someone else to argue as part of an amicus brief against the decision that the DOJ had taken? I mean, it's crazy. This was all just to keep extending it out, because we all know that if General Flynn, uh, if General Flynn, was If they continue this into a Biden administration, oh, you, you think he could count on a pardon then? Judge Sullivan could still just sentence him. He could still do that. He has that power. He could say, oh, I take the guilty plea. I'm sentencing you now. And he doesn't even have to give him prison time. But He could say, yeah, you're a convicted felon now. You think that Joe Biden would pardon General Flynn, even though it couldn't be any more obvious that this was a political hit? It was a political hit all along. But that's why they kept extending it out, extending it out. Hope that maybe you get a Democrat who comes into office and then you then you're just putting Flynn in the meat grinder. Right. That's the idea here. These people are sick. I mean, they really have a problem. They, there's a there's a lack of basic. American to American, fundamental human decency from leftists who have this, as Matt Gates called it, uh, called it uh, bloodlust for General Flynn and, and others. They're really sick. I mean, there's something emotionally and psychologically damaged about them, where they can't think to themselves, what is General Flynn's crime exactly? There was no crime. What did we put him through? Hell. What did he do for his country? Served it for 30 years. How is this justice? Oh yeah, orange man bad. That's how it's justice. These people are lunatics.
0: Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex, and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Let's get to some happy times, shall we? Uh, unfortunately, happy times for the libs and the left, not for you and me, but does tell you a lot about their, the seriousness with which they approach their job of being journalists. Oh, yes, they are journalists. They're so serious. They speak truth to power. The fourth estate, as we know, they're not really the fourth estate. They're a fifth column. But nonetheless, uh, they're so pleased. And you're already seeing and get ready for this. In the in the uh, would be Biden administration, right? We're, we're going to say that there's a Biden transition that's happening. So let's just play this out in the incoming Biden administration that they see. Uh, there's going to be such a love fest. I mean, the way that they're going to cover these often boring, self-dealing, uh, arrogant and incompetent government officials. It's gonna All the rage that they had for Trump is going to be transferred into love and slobbering support for uh, the Biden team, the Biden administration, everybody who's got who's got anything to do with Joe Biden. All of them are going to be treated like they're And if you, if you think I'm uh, exaggerating, here's a PBS reporter, a reporter. That's that's what her title is. I checked. She's actually a, a person who's or maybe correspondent, but same thing. She's actually a. A journalist, not an opinion person, uh, talking about Biden's swampy cabinet picks. Play three.
3: The other thing I'll just say is I was talking to a
0: Democrat who just said this also felt like the Avengers. It felt like we're being rescued from
4: this this (laughs) craziness that we've all lived through from the last four years. And now here are the superheroes to come and save us all.
1: Yes. These these Biden picks are like the Avengers. They're going to save us all. Save us all from what exactly? From, uh, from uh, years of, of peace uh, on the international relations and, and national security front of the destruction of the Islamic State, which Trump gets very little credit for accelerating dramatically, which he did. What, what are they saving us from? Um, you know, that's, that's what I would want to know. I I think, it's, I think it's important to ask that. Are they going to save us by intervening in foreign countries and trying to rebuild them by, by spreading democracy again through the Middle East? Massive bipartisan failure on that front. Not a good idea. What, what are they going to do? Jake Sullivan? I mean, look at these people that they're putting. Tony Blinken? They're, they're going to do what exactly? How are they going to make everything better for you? Well, if you listen to, to John Kerry, uh, or sorry, if you listen to Biden, rather, John Kerry is as the climate czar, which is just hilarious that they're actually going to have John Kerry, who I assure you is a guy who has not flown coach in a plane in, you know, decades. Or if he has, it was like by accident because the private jet was having mechanical problems. This is a private jet flying limousine lib extraordinaire. And he's going to be the climate czar. Sure. Um, but here, Biden's telling you that John Kerry is going to be a game changer for climate. Play 15.
2: For the first time ever, he will be a, there will be a principal on the National Security Council who can make sure climate change is on the agenda in the situation room. For the first time ever, we'll have a presidential envoy on climate. He will be matched with high level White House climate policy coordinator and policymaking structure to be announced in December. And that will lead efforts here in the United States to combat the climate crisis, mobilize action to meet the existential threat that we face. Let me be clear. I don't for a minute underestimate the difficulties of meeting my bold commitments to fighting climate change. But at the same time, no one should underestimate for a minute my determination to do just that.
1: I really ask you to just take a moment and think about how insane this sounds. And, and I mean, really, the, the rhetoric and the way they, you know, my, my, my bold commitments to to fight climate. What? They're talking about the weather, right? You, we all get that. They're, they're talking about weather systems over long periods of time. And they keep changing the data reading to make it seem like terrible things are happening. Are, are you really that worried about climate change? I mean, I, depending on where you are in the country, I'm sure you have the winter is cold. The summer is hot. And even if it's not that big of a temperature variation for you, it feels like it because that's where you've been. Is it really that different? Does it does it feel like anything is going on here? That's I mean, oh, my gosh. But I, I think it's important that everyone understands what we're facing with this climate change stuff, because the mentality that you see right now with covid which is an imminent threat, this is going to be expanded. They're they're really going to use this in terms of government control as a dry run. They're using it as a dry run for what they're going to do with. They say it's an I'm using their words. I'm quoting them to you. It's an existential threat to humanity. That's that's the standard. They ask people this like they're asking them, you know, are you a member of such and such a religion? You know, the answer is like, yes or no. You know, Buck, are you a Catholic? Yes. Right. It's not buck. Are you a Catholic? Eh, like some days I'm a Buddhist. Some days I'm a, I'm a I'm a Muslim. Some days I'm you know no, it's It's a yes or no question. And they ask you it this way. Do you believe in climate change? Yes. Oh, well, then you're then you're signing on for all this other stuff. Or, or they'll even take it further now because that's a little bit that sounds a little bit boring. Right. Because people like me will say, yeah, I believe in I absolutely believe in climate change. I think it's not a threat to humanity. And I think there's basically nothing that we should be doing or need to do to stop it. But yeah, I believe in climate change, of course. So they, they know that that neutralizes, oh, and we're all supposed to be in hysterics. So now it's is it an existential threat to humanity? Let's let's look at their words. Existential threat. Will human beings be wiped? We, will we be wiped from existence unless we have massive government mandates about electric cars and ending fossil fuels and. You know they they have all these all these bold mandates they talk about right and and how are they going to implement all this stuff? How are they going to transform society? And remember, you, you think that industrializing nations uh, or you know countries that are are developing very rapidly right now. You think China and India and Indonesia and name name a large population country that's still trying to get up to U.S. Uh, and European living standards on a per capita basis, you think they're going to abandon fossil fuels in any meaningful capacity because of a John Kerry Paris climate deal? Did any country dramatically change anything after that? I mean, I mean, the countries that signed on to the Paris Climate Accord, did did they do anything really? You notice you never hear about that. You never hear anything about it. But this is this is really this is really maniacal. In the situation room, there's going to be this is like a national security post. So there's going to be the guy who's like, hey, we got to make sure the Chinese can't sneak attack us with nukes and we'll be you know, rendered unable to respond. There's going to be that guy sitting next to the John Kerry guy who's going to be like, well, uh, 50 years, the uh, one degree Celsius raise in temperature. So um, I think we need to have the entire the entire. Navy only run on solar power. Let's do that. That's that's what's going to happen. I mean, I'm being I'm kind of kidding, but not really. That's what's going to happen. Then you're going to have these reports just like we have to hear about, you know, how the military is handling gender identity and all this. Just just how we're hearing all this stuff uh, as if that has anything to do with war fighting. Really, we're going to be hearing about climate change. Oh, my gosh. I wish I could tell, I wish I could protect the country from all of the, not just the lunacy, but also the loss, the loss of time, the loss of your, the one thing you can, I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how successful you are. The one thing you can never get back is time. And these green energy religious nuts, they are not going to stop. They're not going to give this up they're just going to keep pushing for this and we're going to have to spend our time saying no you're being crazy please stop that's not true that's not right why are you and that's where we're that's where we're heading that's where we're heading and we're and in the background of all this we're supposed to believe that Trump got about 10 million more votes than he did in 2016 10 million more votes than he did in 2016 and it wasn't enough that's what they're telling us i'm just going to say this now i and i know i'm not i'm not pointing to any specific data or anything else i truly do find that hard to believe that doesn't mean that it's uh, it doesn't mean i can prove that it's not true yet i find that hard to believe i find it hard to believe that Democrats, lost seats in the House, weren't able yet, although Georgia is very high concern for me right now, but weren't able yet to take Senate control and were able to outdo a sitting incumbent president who got 10 million more votes than he did when he won. Uh, That's asking us to that's asking us to handle a lot. That's asking us to go really really far on this one and there's just a part of me i i I wish i wish there was some action that we could take to really get to the truth here the the legal team i know i've had different members of the legal team on the show the legal team has been so far unable to cross that threshold for us where we think that this thing might turn around and the the People, the end result of this is going to be things like John Kerry climate czar in the situation room as if that issue is, is as important as you know, protecting our borders, uh, protecting our military. That, that's what we're heading for, all because we are being told we have to believe that there were there were not enough people who voted for Trump, even though 10 million more voted for him this time around. It is difficult to process friends. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like it's anything other than that.
0: You're in the freedom. Hide. This is the Buck Sexton show podcast. Michael Flynn pleaded guilty, then tried to withdraw those guilty pleas. Um, he cooperated with the Mueller investigation, then uncooperated. Now CNN's reporting is the president is considering pardoning him and soon What message would that send?
1: Well, it would send a message, at least as far as President Trump is concerned, uh, if you lie on his behalf, if you cover up for him, he will reward you. Uh, He will protect you, uh, but only if he thinks it's in his interest. Uh, There are others that lied for him that he's not going to extend that kind of uh, service to. Um, But uh, it just, uh, frankly, uh, reflects so ill on our democracy, on the United States. Uh, I imagine what people around the world think. Uh, when we have a president who's acting like uh, an organized crime figure. Uh, but this is who Donald Trump is. It's, it's who he was on the way into the presidency. It will be exactly who he is on his last days of the presidency. Congressman Adam Schiff is a disgusting and immoral, disgraceful liar. That's who he is. That's just the way he is. His whole premise here, I think this is important because they get away. And, of course, CNN, Berman, you know, let, letting him letting Schiff run wild with this nonsense. In what way? Let's let's assume let's assume that this was uh, a, a situation that Schiff was describing accurately, which is not true. And as we all know, they the whole claim here is that he lied when he actually didn't lie. It's a question of whether he was asking for a reciprocal or or reciprocal response versus sanctions. You have to get in the very, very specifics of it. One of the two FBI agents, at least or I'm sorry, both FBI agents, I believe, but certainly one of the two FBI agents that interviewed him, including Peter Strzok, who's at the heart of all this Russia collusion craziness. There were clearly people in the FBI who are Democrat deep staters. We all know this now who this became their crusade or perhaps their jihad. Uh, that's what was going on. And. They they didn't think that he lied. And then Mueller's team came along and they basically Weissman, who is a Democrat hack, empowered to go after Trump people. Weissman comes along and is able to find something that they can call a lie months and months later from Flynn's testimony. And now we're supposed to treat General Flynn like he's a criminal, like he's a bad person. That's what Schiff wants. But but even assuming that that his lie about about uh, Flynn lying is accurate. How is he protecting Trump? Think about that. Does anyone believe that Trump was like, hey, um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a big deal if people find out that you as my incoming national security advisor, were asking about the last minute Obama administration moves on Russia. So make sure you lie for me on that one. No, if anything, Trump had him. They fired him. And I got to tell you, I think I think that was a a disloyal move. They played right into the media's hands. But I know it was that he lied to Mike Pence and there was a breakdown in trust there. But he didn't really lie to Mike Pence. See, That's the thing. They created this perception that he lied to Pence. But it was really confusion about what was said to those FBI agents. You know, did you discuss sanctions specifically? And also think about this. There's nothing wrong with discussing uh, sanctions. Biden's people, I assure you, they're talking to China. They're talking to Russia. They're doing whatever they want right now. So w- the lie was to protect Trump? How? But th- that's the, the theory. That's the narrative here, right? Oh, Trump is like a mafia boss. So so Flynn lied for him, and now, now he gets a benefit? First of all, Flynn didn't lie to protect Trump under any circumstance. It, the theory was that he lied to protect himself, no one thought that Trump was violating the Logan Act. Schiff, you moron! Now the thing with Schiff, I call him a moron. No, he's worse than that. He's just a stone cold sociopathic, um, partisan attack dog. He's gross. He's a bad person. A bad person because Flynn and his family—they have really, they've really suffered here. They've, they've tried to ruin this man's life. This isn't just some rhetorical game. This isn't a, a Twitter battle. They bankrupted the guy. They've, they've ruined his name. They've threatened to put him in prison. And Schiff feels like that's not enough. Schiff is upset because Trump may prevent him from having felon on his, uh, on his name for the rest of his life. But look, look at what a distortion this is. No fair-minded No reasonable, honest, decent person could think at all that Adam Schiff is speaking truthfully about this. It's not possible, but it doesn't matter. You know what matters? How much they hate Donald Trump. That's the people that are nodding their heads when Schiff talks about Trump as a mafia boss and how terrible he is. All they really ultimately care about is that they hate Donald Trump and that this was his incoming national security advisor and that's it. And so whatever costs, whatever lies, whatever stratagems and ambushes have to be planned and executed against good people who serve their country, veterans, people that have done real work for America, you know, not 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 some glorified lawyer who is basically, you know, luncheon buddies with Hillary Clinton. That, that's, that's what the Democrats are presenting now as the Avengers, as the great heroes, while people like General Flynn have been left to rot and be ruined by Democrats. So, yeah, Flynn should be pardoned, and darn it, some conservatives should give this guy uh, a great analysis gig on TV and pay him a lot of money and a book deal and all the rest of it, because that's what the libs do for their side.
0: Thanks for listening to the Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. They are now being told that it is not going to be political. And Joe Biden is saying these are people. This is a team who is going to tell me this team will tell me what i need to know, what not what i want to know, that is a big change.
1: I don't mean to be mean. I do find it remarkable though that Andrea Mitchell at MSNBC is paid a lot of money to be on TV and share her thoughts on things. It's pretty stunning. I mean, the media is full of uh Vain mediocrities. That's which that's really the, the standard in the, in the news media journalism, vain mediocrities across the board. Um, people that are that are completely willing to do whatever they have to do to get ahead. And, uh, and for many of them, this is all they've ever known. So this is really who they are. Uh, but Andrea Mitchell here saying that the Biden team around him is not going to be political. Look, she's allowed to say whatever she wants. That's fine. I just I'm here to, to tell everyone That they believe this, which is what's really so amazing. It would be one thing if the journos with this incoming Biden team, it'd be one thing if they were only saying stuff that they know to be untrue, but that they find to be useful for the narrative. You know, there's that. That would be one option. But beyond that, uh, they go they go to this whole other level where they actually believe this bull. They think this is real. She thinks, I, I'm telling you, she goes home, I mean, she would nod her head if, if friends and family were like, so you really think that the Biden cabinet's going to be not political? Yes. The same way that they think they're not opinionated, they're just presenting facts. You know, they're just giving you facts. Uh, this is a, a self-inflicted, but also very useful delusion that they have. And they're not going to Give it up anytime soon. Uh, They're going to continue with this. And, of course, all the libs and the leftists on TV, it's going to be nothing but, oh, look at how great it is. Here's the worst political analyst on TV, uh, Navarro over at The the View. Here she is doing her usual screeching about how great Democrats are and how terrible. She's supposed to be a Republican, by the way. Okay? She's supposed to be a Republican. That's what's so funny. I mean, people in the media... Uh, we will we'll play this game where they lie about this one for the, they'll, they'll pretend to be something they're not for the amusement of liberals at home oh see even republicans hate trump even republicans hate yeah 99 percent of the actual republican voters the actual republican base are, were, were, are supporters of trump have been supporters of trump but they put how, how many never trumpers are on tv and have tv gigs it's amazing isn't it so they're so their voice is so valuable to the party I don't know. Do you want to hear Navarro's voice? I feel like I'm. I feel like this is this is cruel and unusual punishment. But you know, just you get a sense. We gotta get we gotta get ready for this. This is where we're gonna be here in place seven. I'm in the Christmas
4: spirit. Joy to the world. The Trumps are gone. Let
0: us receive <laughs> Joe Biden.
1: Wait, was that Navarro or is that uh, I thought, I, that 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 didn't sound like Anna Navarro? Maybe it was. I think that might have been uh, one of the other. That's PM her singing voice. It was her. That was her singing voice. Yeah
3: it was better than i thought it would be
1: <laughs> i'm just saying i, th- I thought it was going to be worse so okay uh, but yeah i mean they, they're joy to the world joe biden yeah it's all going to be so much better everything's going to be great that's what they that's what they're telling you now that's what we're all supposed to hear um it's not true but as you know the truth is in short supply these days on television and particularly in in political media uh, they're going to be telling you a lot about how great Remember those great economic boom years of the Obama administration when we had weak growth coming out of a recession and we uh, had, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of problems with employment and with wages being stagnant? Remember remember those great years where we were told that GDP was never going to get above whatever it was, two percent again? Sorry, America, your best Obama's the president and your economic best days as a country are behind you we're going to have a whole rewriting going on of this now. Oh yes, Obama got us out of the recession. Biden is actually inheriting the the highest stock market ever. He's inheriting a vaccine that's going to turn that's going to turn everything back to what it was with Trump a year ago where you have super low unemployment. He's going to have all that, but because of the nature of the timeline here, He'll get all the credit for what for the good that happens early on in his administration that he that he was just handed the vaccine and everything else that's going on here. And then when we see the Democrat policies make everyone more frustrated and more poor and don't promote growth, they're going to re- just return to the usual. Oh, no, government is your friend and makes everything better. And Obama and Obama did a great job on his for his third term. Play twelve.
2: Now, many Democrats may like this, but one of the criticisms I think Rubio was trying to get to in a ham-fisted way is this is Obama 2.0. This is a third Obama term. What do you make of that suggestion? Well, hallelujah. I mean, Obama got us out of the Great Depression, a great recession, um, saved the auto industry, uh, got health care to millions of people, and handed Trump uh, an economy that was was moving in a great direction. Trump was able to hold on for a little bit, but then crashed it. Uh, by mishandling the COVID crisis. So um, I, I don't think, yeah, I, I think the American people just spoke. They just literally re-elected, or uh, just literally elected uh, Obama's vice president. So I don't think America is uh, mad at, at Obama. Uh, I think America wants uh, what Obama represented, uh, but now with bigger challenges.
1: Obama didn't save the country from a recession. I mean, that's nonsense. The banks had stabilized. Yeah, we were in a recession, but the, the, the real threat was handled, and this never gets covered properly in the media. Uh, the, the bailout of the banks, uh, the, the troubled asset relief program, TARP, that was all done under Bush at the very end. But then Obama comes into office and, you know, they, they spend a whole lot of money. They spend a, a trillion dollars in stimulus. And then what happens? Well, you know, they go for Obamacare and there's a lot of regulation and there's more taxation and things aren't looking so good. Turns out that Democrat policies under Obama were not good for the economy. You look at the GDP growth numbers, and just wasn't good. But notice the the narrative is that Obama saved us from the recession, and then he comes into all, then he comes into power, and then hands a great economy to Donald Trump. The economy was okay. It was okay. I'm not pretending like it was some you know desperate situation when Obama left office. But it was you know we were and, and we were told. Let's remember that Donald Trump was going to. Uh, bury the economy. It was going to be terrible under him. That was the, oh, and we had Nobel laureates like Paul Krugman. We had all these, oh, so super smart libs who were saying all that stuff. And turns out, wasn't true. Right? Turns out they were wrong, which, as we know, economists in particular, the great skill of economists is sounding like they know things after being wrong so many times that everybody should know they don't know anything. But they still kind of sound like they sound like they've got some ideas you need to hear. That's really what I know. Some of the economists listening to this are going to get mad at me. But I'm just telling you the truth. So what I'm here for. Telling you the truth. Um, Oh, I I forgot about this one. I wanted to get to this. You're going to hear a lot about uh, how Joe Biden is this great man of faith. Oh, yes. And I, I think that it's tough to separate out. The the people on the left who really believe that versus who say it knowing how absurd it is. But it's a thumb in the eye of people who really do believe and live their faith. Right? I mean, Biden is a Catholic uh, who is a proponent in public office and has been for decades of abortion for all nine months of a pregnancy. That's just a fact. So Joe Biden and we're going to talk about Obama's comments about Hispanics uh, in a little bit here. It was very interesting what Obama's allowed to say about uh, other groups that he has no basis for, no evidence for other than his own opinion. Uh, but Joe Biden, we're going to be told is a man, a man of great faith. And John Kerry is out there to, to spread that message right now. Play 16.
2: In addressing the climate crisis, President-elect Joe Biden is determined to seize the future now and leave a healing planet to future generations. Fifty seven years ago this week, Joe Biden and I were college kids when we lost the president who inspired both of us to try to make a difference. A president who reminded us that here on Earth, God's work must truly be our own. President Joe Biden will trust in God and he will also trust in science to guide our work on Earth to protect God's creation.
1: And climate change is an existential threat. Would God allow climate change to be an existential threat? Think about that for a second. Do, do we think, if you're a person of faith, do you think that our incredible scientific revolution of the last 100, 150 years, it, that that would, uh, that would result in the extinction of all human life? What, what's the point of existence if there's no human life? I mean, I, I don't want to get too deep into the, into the philosophical Contradictions here, but I I do think it's worth noting. They tell us that unless we have a massive government apparatus that can control every aspect of your life, life as we know it will cease because of rising global temperature. This is the and that this is balancing God and science. Hmm. That's uh quite a quite an interesting view, isn't it? We all understand, I mean, if you if you pay attention, you know. That climate change is people is for people, uh, a religion that they think elevates them above those who actually believe in God. It's more important to do God's work here by doing climate change. That's what they're telling you. They're going to try to mix these things together. This is crazy. This is crazy. They've been wrong. Go back and look, look at the predictions, look at the projections. They're always wrong. And yet, you know, it's the equivalent in climate change. It's not like it is with COVID. Just wait two weeks and I'll be right. In climate change, it's just wait ten years, and then ten years passes, in the wrong. Oh no, the next ten years, greater urgency now than ever. That's what they'll tell you. Uh, but yes, Joe Joe Biden, great great man of faith. How is he? I, I would ask, how has he lived his faith exactly by by giving uh, speeches about how he cares about the poor? I mean, he's a rich guy. What what does he do for poor people exactly? I'm just wondering. What's the great idea that he has to protect God's creation, as John Kerry calls it? Hmm. Not a lot there, is there? But this is what we're going to be. We're going to be the ones who are standing, standing up and saying, hold on a second. Why do you, meaning the Dems, the Libs, why do you think you can just say endless things that are not true and we're not going to call you out on it? They have more megaphones. They have bigger platforms. They have more of them. But we're still going to do that. We are going to be prepared for that fight. And that's all assuming the Trump legal team doesn't pull something off here, which I have not written them off. Uh, We had uh, Boris Epstein on yesterday. I think I just saw today he's tested positive for COVID. I saw a press release on that, but I'm sure he's going to be fine. You know, he's going to be okay. He's got the Rona. He's going to be okay. Donald Trump Jr. has the Rona. Donald Trump Jr. has the Rona. He's going to be okay. This is this is just and and of course, they're, they're Republicans. So it's if you're a Republican It's your fault if you get sick. If you're anyone else, it's just a a tragic circumstance that's happening to people all the time, or a very, you know, a a bad circumstance. Not always tragic. If If you're asymptomatic, I don't think that's a tragedy. But for everyone else, it's it's their fault, their problem. If you're a Republican,
0: you're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Absolutely. I'm still a conservative Republican. Okay, okay. Okay, then let's talk about your party, because the leadership of your party has remained largely silent about Trump's effort to overturn the election outcome. We still haven't heard Mitch McConnell acknowledge Biden's win. It seems like a lot of them are worried about Trump's vindictiveness coming back to haunt them. As someone who's been on the receiving end of uh, said uh, vindictiveness, what do you say to your fellow Republicans who are trying to avoid that by staying quiet? And basically, no, think, you know, being
2: cowardly, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, no. I've, I've been saying people need to speak up. The president right now has convinced millions, perhaps tens of millions of people in this country, and I can tell you around the world too, that the election was stolen from him. That's not true. It's not a good thing uh, for the party or certainly for the country to have a large chunk of its population believe that that happened. Uh, the longer it goes on with with basically only Trump declaring that narrative, the harder it will be for people to accept the reality that that he lost
1: where was a big tough conservative republican as he describes himself john bolton who pleaded with the trump administration for the big job of national security advisor and then like a little traitor like a weaselly little traitor wrote a book trashing the administration he had worked for friends you know so much about people based upon how they act in their personal relationships are they loyal? are they decent uh, professionally and personally I mean this but how you interact with other human beings if you if you understand how somebody uh, how somebody conducts themselves in that way you kn- you know their character that is their character how you treat people those are the actions that matter most about who you are and to ask for someone to put uh, their trust in you their faith in you to take on what Not to sound uh, corny, but, you know, a sacred obligation of being a national security advisor to a sitting U.S. president. I know we do plenty of uh, of criticizing of people with these jobs, but these are powerful positions. And one of the reasons why I feel so free to go after people in these roles is because they can handle it and we got to hold them accountable. Uh, But to do that and then to turn around and smear the person you asked for that, it's just it's so low. It's such gutter tactics, such a such an utter disgrace. It really is. And you have to sit there and just say, are we expected now to take this person seriously? Who's going to hire John Bolton now other than MSNBC or something to be a conservative Republican who just spends all of his time trashing other Republicans and also advocating that we you know, invade Iran? Let, let's rebuild Iran just like we did Iraq. That'll work out great. That's that's the uh, the, the neocon position. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of a lot of people who have never even been close to a war zone with very, very uh, refined ideas on how many wars we should be fighting, how many more wars we should be fighting as a country. Um, but you'll see these uh, these anti-Trump Republicans, they're going to they're maneuvering now in every way they can. They're maneuvering not just for their own benefit, for book deals and other things, but also they think that they have a shot here of. Taking taking back their rightful place as the little commissars of the GOP. Oh yeah, oh yeah. the the Deep State GOP is real as well, and there's going to be a, a serious effort underway, and you're seeing it already for people that think that they're going to wrest the mantle of leadership away from Trumpism. Not on my watch.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Look, I, I think he's in a good position to, to make the effort. Uh, the fact that he won is indicative of uh, the message he sent uh, of wanting to unify the country. I, I do think people are exhausted by just this, you know, uh, you know, World Wrestling Federation constant cage match, and people just want to feel as if a day passes without uh, it being dominated by something crazy coming out of uh, the
1: White House. Who's responsible? That's you know, that's Obama, who you're going to be hearing from a lot more. Who's responsible for that, as he calls it, WWF constant engagement? I I believe, Producer Mark, isn't it the WWE now?
4: Yes, it has been the WWE for a very long time now.
1: Yes. The WWF is the World Wildlife Fund. And they had a problem with the WWF Wrestling Federation. That's why it had become the WWE, as I understand it. Right? I believe that is what happened, yes. Are you a WWE guy at all?
4: Uh, when I was think. a kid, uh, some of my friends were uh, interested in it, so I knew what was going on, but I, I never really got into it, you know, like a big fan.
1: Yeah, you know, my sister and her husband actually both enjoy, they like professional wrestling, they enjoy it. I, some people love it, you know, they really get into it. Yeah, there are adults that really, really That's love it. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, I've, you know, there there are lots of adults who really, look, I think if you would if appreciate the the theatricality of it and you know the music it's probably a pretty good show i've never actually been to a live uh you know professional wrestling match but i'm sure there's yeah there's i I don't
4: think anyone goes into it thinking they're watching a real wrestling match they understand that it's a drama right
1: right exactly it's like you're watching a stage play with just people that do a lot of uh you know hgh and uh you know are very acrobatic i think that's kind of what it is not anymore with the hgh anymore hopefully well, HGH is human growth hormone, so that's that's legal if you have a prescription for it, but a lot of people in Hollywood take it. But, yeah, anabolic steroids is the thing that people usually think of, which is the bad. Uh, that's a, well, Who's Did they ever find out about the— uh, with, Remember when they did all those hearings on Capitol Hill about steroids in baseball? Yes. Who has proven to have been the steroid users again? I mean, I remember seeing photos of some of these guys— who when they were 20, they were like 140 pounds, 6 feet tall, and then in their like late 30s, they they're like 250 pounds of just muscle mass. Uh, who were the ones that got nailed on that?
4: It was uh, It's a lot of guys who should be Hall of Famers but have not been elected yet because of all this uh, uncertainty. It's guys like Barry Bonds, who, you're right, his head grew like seven sizes. Uh, within a couple of years, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Roger Clemens, Ah, uh, those are the big names um, that aren't in the Hall of Fame, but have the numbers because everyone suspects that they did, in fact, use steroids. Ah, uh, Roger Clemens was a pitcher. Yep, I think he's oh. the one they pro-
1: proved too oh, that he did it. Yeah, was he the one with the clear where it was like a thing that you rub rub on your butt? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think he was it. Right? I, I vag- like I vaguely remember when Congress was doing here like this was the big thing. <laughs> Gosh. They were having steroids and baseball hearings. You know that's I missed. Was that the, that was the nineties, right? I missed the nineties.
4: Uh, it was like the mid two thousands.
1: Know? Oh, early two thousands. Mm. Okay. Well, I still miss the early two thousands. Although the music then is terrible. Mark Lamont, Mark Lamont, Hill and I. You know, uh, we had a conversation recently. We we do a little video blog together, and uh, we had a conversation. I said, I said, if you if you go back and you listen to music, first of all, music today is mostly garbage, and if you go back and you listen to the last 20 years, of like the best songs. I shouldn't say the best songs, the most popular songs of the last 20 years. I just don't think it's very good. You know, you go back to the 90s, there's some great stuff, great stuff. The the, the 2000s music-wise has been, I don't know. Other than, you know, there's Coldplay. There's some good stuff, I guess. I'm just being grumpy. I feel
4: like after 2010, I agree with you. I think before 2010 was still in that 90s kind of zone with the alternative music at least. Yeah, Maybe I, I not think pop what music,
1: but. I think music has become too elect uh, just too electronic in general. Everything now is synthesizers but you and like auto dubstep. tuners and what? You like dubstep. I mean, I just joke around about that. I don't really like dubstep. Okay. It's ridiculous. That guy Skrillex looks like uh looks like somebody took a a, a hobo out of a out of a, you know, random uh, what are those things called that you out of a hostel in like Berlin or something. They're like, yeah, Let's make this guy some, like, uh, DJ or whatever. It's crazy, the whole thing. It's, the whole thing is absurd. All right. All right. I, I, was talking, I was talking about Obama, wasn't I? This is uh, uh, Yes, we, you were. I was talking about Obama. Okay, let's get back to Obama. So, uh, oh, yeah, uh, the, the, the constant cage match. We have this, the, the politics of the moment, we're told, are, are so nasty and everyone's so, but who really created that? I mean, where Where is the cage match where did it start? I'm not saying Trump doesn't. Yeah, Trump actually. Have you ever seen the WWE stuff he did? It's great.
4: Yes, I right. have seen those
1: videos. They're those hilarious. videos are awesome. Um, it's actually some of Trump's finest on-camera work before being president, I think. I really appreciate the whole thing. But, you know, you, you have uh, the, the Democrats that have shown, I think. First of all, they're the ones that control not only these media companies, but also these social media platforms. So they have so much more ability to skew the debate, and it keeps getting... It feels like it's getting more and more polarized and nastier all the time. And I think it's in part because they keep losing the argument. Uh, They keep losing the argument, and then they want to just mandate things. They want to get it through the Supreme Court, or they want want their way, even when the public isn't necessarily with them on something. And you see that uh, also with how there's no more debates that are worthwhile going on in media. I mean, people do not debate stuff anymore um it's it's all just clay pigeons it's all one side once when was the last time you saw a an msnbc host let's say involved in a a debate with somebody of reasonably equal stature and ability i'm not saying it never happens but it's very rare you know there's there's this perception that we have and i think it's because in part because of the rise and all this individualized social media too, where everyone is now an individual brand and they have to pretend that they're right all the time, and one of the great uh, valuable things that people create that people want for their brand is that you know they're they're the best debater, and they always win in all these debates. So that means they never have people who are good debaters opposed to them. so with the the, the the upshot of this is that you don't really ever as an American these days, you don't really hear people who are good at making the case for the other side, get to make it. You know, there's so much siloing within our media. There, there's so much of, a, of an echo chamber effect. I do believe it is worse on the left than on the right. Uh, I know I'm biased, of course. I admit that I'm biased. I'm a conservative. I, I put my bias out there. But I also think that uh, this is only going to increase until we start encouraging, until there's a, a tolerance uh, for hearing the views of the other side. And I, when I say tolerance, I don't just mean an acceptance of it as a matter of law or social media platform regulations. I mean that, that the marketplace wants this again. Crossfire back in the day, uh, Firing Line with Buckley, you know, any of these kinds of shows, they don't really exist anymore. And, and I, I actually find that troubling. Uh, I think it's a shame that you rarely have in in the ideal on the ideological battlefield. You don't have our best against their best. What you have are people who build their own kingdoms and then they never want to go to war with a kingdom of equivalent strength publicly. So everyone just kind of goes off on their own and does their own thing. I know this is more of a discourse about where where I think media is going wrong these days, but I think it fails to serve the American people as well as it could um, because it would be it would be worthwhile to have this. You know, CNN used to allow real conservatives on CNN used to allow people that would make the case for the right on TV. They weren't nice to them. They weren't fair to them, but they would bring them on. They don't even bring them on anymore. So maybe that's the best example I can point to of exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, that that shows you how much of a change there has really been here. If you can't even be a Republican, you can't even be in the GOP and go on CNN's air. I think that tells you a lot. All right. So Obama, WWF, constant cage match and media is a big part of that. He said something else that was interesting, though, because there has been a a, I think a lack of. um, A lack of understanding here on the left to this day of how is it possible that the person that they say, Donald Trump, the person that they say is the most racist, uh, president of all time. They'll say that. As you know, I'm I'm not I'm not pretending. They'll say the most racist president of all time that he made historic gains for a Republican in the last, you know, 50 years. Historic gains for a Republican among black and latino voters, particularly among latino voters too. Uh, I think he ended up w- winning about a third of latino voters, something like that. It was close. I mean, it was a really uh, I'm saying I'm close. It wasn't close to 50-50. But it was a very strong showing for him. You know, one of the first uh, and most sanctimonious and shouted lines that you'll come across from liberals who hate Trump is they'll always talk about the border. Uh, they'll, 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 they'll say something about Trump saying Mexicans being rapists. And then they'll also say kids in cages. And I think that they believe just by the endless repetition of those phrases, one, the rapist thing is completely taken out of context. Trump obviously doesn't think that everyone who comes across our border is a rapist. That's completely insane. It would be immoral to say or think that. He doesn't think that. He was trying to get to the point that there are criminals, and that's a fact, who come across our border illegally, and there should be no criminals coming across the border illegally. He wanted to be zero. Um, now, is it a small percentage of the overall Hispanic population that crosses over from Mexico? Yes, it's a very small percentage. But remember, it's still, we're trying to get it to zero. We don't want any criminals coming across the border at all. So anyway, that's one thing that they would say. And then the the kids in cages line. I actually had that shouted in my face when I was on the Bill Maher show. You know, kids in cages, kids in cages. It was Jennifer Granholm, the former. I think she's the former governor of Michigan. I'm What Michigan? What is with you and your governors? Good heavens. But she screamed that in my face and. Uh, remember that that was a policy that started in the Obama administration, and it really is just when you arrest people, you separate the adults from the children, which is true everywhere else in our criminal justice system, but they hadn't created a different policy for people to cross the border legally, so there was this temporary separation of children from their parents. Now, um, we also are told the government bureaucracy is so inept and incompetent that they didn't always manage to put people back together with their families. Now, that's a government screw-up that's, you know, that's inexcusable. But that's not Trump. Trump isn't the one who, who didn't keep track of where they, you know what I mean? So, so they, they say all this about him and they figured, okay, the Latino community is going to hate Trump more than any other community maybe, or perhaps the black community would hate Trump more. But, you know, it's it's all over for Trump with Latinos. And that didn't end up being the case. And the the libs have a very hard time understanding, have a very hard time comprehending, how is it that the president that we say is, is the most racist, evil, anti-Hispanic anti, you know, anti uh, Hispanic president of, of all time could get such a percentage of the vote? Obama has some analysis on this that he wants to offer up. Play uh, four. I
2: deeply believe that people should be treated equally under the law, regardless of sexual
0: orientation. I was but, shocked you talked about that in the book.
2: But but we all, you know, I, I mean, I, I think there are big chunks of our community where that's still controversial. Um, people were surprised about uh, a, a lot of Hispanic folks who voted for Trump. But there's a lot of evangelical Hispanics who, you know, the fact that Trump says racist things about Mexicans or puts... Uh, detainees, uh, you know, uh, uh, undocumented workers in cages. They think that's less important than the fact that, you know, he uh, supports their views on, you know, gay marriage or abortion.
3: There's
1: no basis in the data for this at all. He's just completely making this up. Let's let's look at this for a second. This is really interesting because what the left does not want to concede ever is that maybe a lot of. Hispanics don't actually think that Trump hates Hispanics and is racist because he's not. That's what that's the one thing they want to avoid at all costs. Right. They, they can't because this is what they've been telling us for years. So have they been lying? The answer is yes, they have been lying about this. But they they work the media, the Democrats, Obama, they worked very hard to convince Americans, uh, Hispanic Americans, Latino Americans. You know, that Latinx, which we keep hearing as a term from media types. Over 90% of the Latino community does not like the term Latinx. So this is, a, this is now a term that, you know, white, Caucasian, European descent, or I guess, you know, Hispanics can be European descent too, but you know what I mean. White dudes and ladies uh, who are liberals use that the Hispanic community itself or the Latino community is like, uh, what are you guys even doing? That's that's Latinx, you know, because they don't want to make it, la- they don't want it to be a gender-specific thing either way. It has to be Latinx, uh, which is just nuts. But the truth is that a lot of them don't think that Trump is a racist. And a lot of them think that Trump's policies about immigration are correct. A lot of legal, a lot of legal Hispanic immigrants do not support illegal immigration because they went through a process they had to do it the right way and they're saying also other people you know maybe even other people that they from their same hometown or from their same city they get to just show up i had to go through all this stuff they could just get to come here so so the 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 democrat analysis of this that you're getting from obama you're going to have many variations of it it's just wrong but it's it's purposefully wrong because they don't want to concede that what they've been saying all this time is not true. They don't want to concede that their positions on uh, about how racist Trump is, how terrible Trump is, are inaccurate. So instead, they go after Hispanics and say that they vote because of you know, evangelical Hispanics voted that uh, voted this way um, because of gay marriage. There's there's no. There's no basis in any of the data that we've seen that's been collected that anyone would ever point to in political analysis to to support this. It doesn't exist. But Obama says it, and the media will let him get away with it. You're in
0: the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
4: And we love one another. We love. And we're tough enough to say We love. We're strong enough to say, I love you. I love you. And we're acting out of love. That's what New York Tough means. And we have a special mask for Thanksgiving because you know we're also creative in New York. We are creative and we do things a little different. And we have a special mask. Don't be a turkey this Thanksgiving. Wear a mask. Don't be a turkey. How good looking is this mask, right? You ready? Look at that. How beautiful is that? Tell the truth.
3: Wear a mask with a turkey on it. Do what you're told. Wear the mask with the turkey. We're creative in New York. Sure we are. Let me tell you why we're so creative. Because I'm a tyrant. And I like it. It's fun. And it's like you're all little turkeys that I get to order you around. Gobble, gobble. You get ordered around. So you can deal with that. But if you're gonna eat your turkey on Thanksgiving, be careful because it could have tryptophan in it. Tryptophan might make you a little bit sleepy, so you gotta stay close to a place where you have a pillow or bed, perhaps. But when you're sleeping, you gotta still wear a mask because a mask shows you're a good person. If you don't wear a mask, you're a bad person. So it doesn't have to be a creative mask like my turkey one, gobble gobble. But it could be uh, something that you you do with your family. Because if you love them, you won't see them. That's also my guidance for you here. But uh, from, from Governor Cuomo, the tyrant of New York, to you and yours, uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving feast, mask up between bites, and remember that if you eat too many calories and later on in life you have health issues, it's your fault. So there you go.
0: Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Buck, it's time for Roll
3: Call. It's our pre-Thanksgiving Roll Call for everybody. Roll Call in the house, Producer Mark. Are you excited,
1: Producer Mark? You have a few days off. You don't have to deal with any of your Producer Mark responsibilities for a couple of days. I don't even know what this is going to be like. It's Having days crazy. off that doesn't sound like something I get. Yeah, we, we both got days. This is crazy. We got days off. Oh, oh. my gosh. So, uh, everybody, we're going to have best of shows on what, Thursday and Friday, producer Mark? Is that right? That is correct. Best of shows, which means we're going to get some sleep this weekend. Oh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be glorious. So, uh, what are you up to?
4: I will uh, be with uh, my
3: mother and father-in-law and my sister-in-law and my wife. Oh,
4: that
1: sounds nice. Yeah.
3: Who who runs the uh, Who runs the You guys do? Do ter- you do traditional or you you don't you don't
1: do like Chinese food for Thanksgiving? Right? No,
4: that's Christmas that the Jews do Chinese food on. No, we do traditional Thanksgiving. Yes.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying like you you know, so you do the you know you, who makes the turkey? Who does all the stuff?
4: Oh, that would be my mother and father-in-law. They handle all the cooking. They usually oh, host nice. you know thirty or so people. Nice. Obviously, this year will be a little different, but yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh what's what's their the, the you're stuffing guy too. How the the perfect stuffing for you? What's it like? I I don't really know
4: because I don't, I've never made it myself. So I don't, I barely know what the ingredients are. They usually go with some sort of sausage. Here's my question for you
1: Why why isn't stuffing a thing that I can order in restaurants year round? I can order a cornbread pudding in places, I can order, uh, you know, uh, the other, you know, the other, I don't know what other size people think, you know.
3: I guess you, you you know, sweet potato, usually you don't
1: do it with the with the marshmallows the rest of the year. But, you know, you can get like uh, mashed sweet potato sometimes in restaurants. They'll do that. You know, sweet potato uh, casserole. But stuffing is like a one time a year thing. Why is that? Stuffing is delicious. I don't know. You would think
4: you'd be able to just go to a random restaurant. Somebody would have a special by now. But no.
1: Seems very very strange. Maybe it's a pain to make. Have you ever made it? No, I've, not, I've never made it. I don't know. Uh, so maybe I, I think it's pretty easy. Well, they make mixes. I remember my mom used to make stovetop stuffing sometimes, and I loved it growing up. Woo. Kids craft. really eat anything, don't we? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Kraft uh, macaroni and cheese, too. Oh, man. I used to put away the Kraft macaroni and cheese. It was delicious. All right. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. I'm not going to be talking to you uh, you folks on the team for a couple of days, at least not not live here. So uh, please do feel like you can reach out over social. I'll try to get to all the messages I can over the weekend, and I'll be posting some things here and there, too. So that's the plan. Um, John, first up here. Buck, your little Brian Stelter voice damn near made me crash my truck the other day. I was laughing so hard. Rest assured, here in the Aloha State, we are incredibly embarrassed by the crazy, Maisie Hirono. And I have left several choice messages at her office expressing my displeasure. Discovered your show about six months ago. Haven't missed a show since. Doing my best to pass the buck. Well, John, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that, John. I just want to say thank you for listening to the Buck Sexton show. And you know, you may be a Trump supporter, you may be a right wing maniac, and um, but you can still watch Reliable Sources with Brad Stelter. Whatever it's on of the weekends.
0: Shut
1: up. Yeah. Oh, crazy Maisie. There she was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least you're in Hawaii. Hawaii sounds great. I don't know, man. Producer Mark. But it's kind of remote. It's kind of hard to get there. Uh, uh, Also, I would go there on vacation this year if I could. But I just feel like Hawaii is probably going to be really locked down. They're going to do all this stuff. And it's more than just that there's the government rules that are in place. And then there's the the kind of community perception in New York right now, even though it makes no sense, and even though there's no science that really that supports this, they expect you to walk. If you're walk, I walk without a mask outside. I do not wear a mask outside, and and I'm very firm on this. But people look at you weird. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't you wearing a mask out? I'm talking about walking by myself outdoors, as if, as this as if I'm like spewing virus up into the atmosphere and it's you know infecting people in you know brazil or in thailand or something it's like, oh buck it's like like i'm firing virus icbms up into the sky and they're coming down on people it's crazy anyway so there we go i'm sure it's bad in new jersey producer mark it's probably not much better
4: uh, I don't really walk around much, but yes, I, I imagine I would get a lot of uh, looks if I went into a grocery store, say, without a mask
1: on. Well, no, that, indoors, you I mean, they won't even let you in. they I've been That's in true. places where somebody's walked in without, they won't even let you in. So, I mean, I, I mask up when I walk indoors because I, ha- I have to. I'll probably yeah. get harassed
4: tomorrow since I have to go to Penn Station to get to Long Island.
1: But oh, yeah. yeah I hear Mr. Mask, Cuomo has
4: his uh, Well, this, his is, this is what I up. understand.
1: Everywhere, when you go to these, when you actually travel, as I have, and you fly on planes, you do this stuff, you see that everyone's masked all the time. But you go on. If you watch TV, it's the problem is we're not masking up enough. Oh, okay. Oh, gee. That that's uh, that seems interesting to me. Brian is up here. Uh, Buck and Mark, keep up the great work. My wife and I got our COVID tests back negative, so my older parents feel comfortable visiting us. Driving up to Boston and keeping my pocket-sized constitution in the glove box in case I get pulled over. I have a safe, relaxing holiday with your family, uh, guys. Well, Brian, I appreciate that, man. And yeah, I think, look, you're taking you're taking steps. I you know, I get it. There's anxiety. There's there's nerves for everybody right now about all this stuff. And if you want to go get tested, go get tested. You know, I I have no interest in in uh, undermining or mocking or dictating or anything, any whatever you and your family think you should do to be safe this holiday. You should do. My problem is with the government creating rules, laws out of thin air about this stuff, including laws that are idiotic. So that's where I get so angry about all this. It's not about if someone wants to get tested before um, a snow princess got tested. So my own girlfriend got tested before she's going to be around my parents because she's been, you know, in some groups of people. She's done some traveling recently. So she's gotten tested. She's got her negative result back before she's with my parents because of their ages. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's fine. That's totally I get it. I totally get it. Support it. Go for it. Um, as for whether having a pocket constitution will help you when you're dealing with law enforcement. Uh, good luck. With that. Good luck with that one. I mean, I'm not saying you're not right. I'm just saying, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't pull out the pocket constitution with a state trooper. I would try to just uh, I would try to. Impress upon him that it is Thanksgiving and we're Americans, and let's you know let's be reasonable, officer. You know what I mean. State I, troopers don't tend to be the cuddliest of people. I have noticed that as well. I'm sure we have some wonderful state troopers who listen to this show, and I'm, I'm sure that when they're home with their families, they're cuddly mama and papa bears and everything else. But yeah, you know when you see the uh, the aviators and the I don't know what kind of hat it is they've got, but you know that state trooper hat they have in New York. You see that in your rear view. A lot of yes ma'am, yes sir, no ma'am, no sir, you know, that's how it goes. Not a lot of like, well, you know, officer, the Constitution As you know, all of a sudden you start getting seatbelt violations and uh, lane change violations thrown in there. You don't want to deal with it. I'm just, I'm just, hey, I'm trying to give you guys good advice. You know, it's, uh, that, that's, that's the way to deal. Josh. Just want to say thank you for being bold and speaking out. I appreciate what you're doing. It's incredibly inspiring. Well, Josh, thank you. Um, don't think that it doesn't come with a little bit of a, a little bit of a slapdown and a cost. Not just in the people writing in mean things to me and saying I'm terrible and I want people to die, which is which is not true. All the people that write in saying that I want people to die, I can tell you I'm nicer and more responsible than all of those people and do more to help people around me than all of them. All right, I just want to say that because. Normal, well-adjusted people who care about other people don't write in saying that 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 strangers want people to die because they don't agree with their politics. Uh, and as for, oh, I, you know what, I've been I've been throttled on Instagram. It's official. I mean, they they reached out to me. I basically my Instagram reach has been cut by 80 percent or so in the last month uh, because of my positions on mask mandates. So oh, and, and I've also been dinged on Facebook and I think also on Twitter. Uh, I've been getting hit by people who, so that's that's where we are now. Social media is a great way for us to have a conversation as long as we don't ask any questions or do anything that goes against the consensus. The second you step outside the consensus, they're going to come after you. But other than that, yeah, great for the marketplace of ideas, sure. Uh, and it's, it's going to get worse, too. I mean, in a, in a Biden administration, I'm telling you, they're they're going to push for even more big tech, big corporate control, and they're going to want to shut down. They love this ability to shut down people like me. They don't want to debate me. They're not going to invite me on CNN and ask me about my views because people who are smart and who are reasonable would agree with me. So what do they do? They try to deplatform, kick me off or whatever, you know. Anyway, um, Neil writes, I don't think I've heard you talk about this particular Netflix called Rise of Empires Ottoman. After hearing your Dracula episode, I'll think you'll really like it. It's mostly reenactment, but has some really good documentary commentary, too. 1440s-ish Siege of Constantinople. Love the show. Shields High. Thanks, Neil. Uh, that sounds kind of cool. I- I'm usually not a big, you know, I, I-, I prefer listening to the history stuff. Uh, that's why I do the history podcast that I do. And we do have the more Shields High coming out in the new year. Um, I do have the history stuff uh, that I like. But I think a lot of these reenactments, they use kind of the same stock footage over and over. And they've always got like reenactors just going, ah, <laughs> they're always running like in this big group, whether it's Ottomans or it's, you know, Vikings or it's, you know, the Battle of, of Gettysburg. They just get a bunch of reenactors and they, they get like 10 of them and they pan up close to them and have a shaky camera and they go, ah, <laughs> and they kind of run. Do you ever watch History Channel stuff, producer Mark? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah, the, see, the stuff from World War II and all that—that that stuff is amazing because they have footage to show you, right? They can show you video. A lot of this stuff. When you get into the earlier periods, some of the reenactments are just—they're just too cheesy, you know. I'm not a big fan of it, but sometimes they do a pretty decent job with it. Um, I actually got a—I got a uh, one of my uh, hold the line producers into watching. The Last Kingdom recently. He's a big fan of it now. Have we gotten you to check that one, out, producer Mark? We have not, right?
4: Obviously, your other producers like you better. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, fair, fair. fair. Or, or they just take my advice. But you, you, you might like. Uh, you might like the. I don't think Mrs. Mark would like it though. Yeah, she's that's the problem. Yeah, she's a late, and you guys got to find things that's that's in that middle. I did ground.
3: finally
4: get a second TV though, so maybe I can watch it on my own.
1: Mm, there
3: you go, an idea.
1: Uh, did you ever watch the History Channel Viking show? It was actually a scripted, uh, you know, scripted I think I a, saw
4: an episode or so, but I never kept.
1: kept it was up very with it. I mean, it was very high level production. It was very well done for what it was. I think the show was quite successful. Um, it, was, it was a good show. I, I would say it uh, they did a good job, so just saying, um, Ryan, Buckman, I believe your idea of creating a project to convince conservatives to move to a specific locale has a lot of promise. I would be eager. To join such a movement, especially on a four-year or longer horizon, I believe such a movement can truly work and transform the right place. I'm going to suggest Denver or the Colorado Front Range as the target. I have reasons for the choice. The city and state continue trending blue. The city remains relatively small, and, I'm a, cons- and a conservative movement here could reverse that trend. With Denver having a population of only 700,000, even 100,000 people could flip the city itself. It's a desirable place to live with consistent state growth. The local economy is relatively strong. Also, front range weather, a front range weather is quite pleasant with lots of sun and not that much snow. I'm interested in such a uh, project, whether flipping Colorado or repairing Texas and Austin. I feel that a previous red state dominated by Denver and Boulder could be repaired with a generally low effort. Count me in. Tell us where to organize. Ryan, I don't know. This is a great idea. I I think and, and Denver, we have. First of all, this show has a a. Phenomenal um, audience, uh, constantly growing, very sizable already. I mean, we do really well with our audience in Denver on, on 93.7 Freedom in Denver. So uh, that's great. And, uh, yeah, it's very high quality of life there. It, it could work. I just got to figure out how do we. Uh, well, producer Mark could live in Florida and I could live in Denver and he could do the show from down there. So that would all work out. So there we go. You ever been to Denver, producer
4: Mark? I haven't but I've heard uh, lovely things.
1: I've actually never been. Never been. Need to go check it out. So I am going down to Austin to visit my brother who now lives there. That's going to be happening hopefully pretty soon. Uh, But, yeah, Denver, I, I hear good things.
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast.
1: More roll call to kick us off into the Thanksgiving holiday. Let's get to it with Caden. Hey, Buck. I'm a 14-year-old that loves politics and loves Trump, what he's done for this country. Just want to say I love your show, listen to it every night, and I love all your impressions and your point of view. Shields high. Well, Caden, you are a brilliant young young man, and I uh, feel better about the future of this country knowing that there are 14-year-olds uh, like you out there who have great taste in podcasts as well as impressions, and and you're, I hope, learning a lot from this show that will help you in debates with libs going forward. And Caden, spread it around to your friends, man. Tell people the Buck accent show, it is it is family and, and kid friendly. Uh, we always keep it that way. So please do uh, tell tell some of your peers, man. Say, hey, stop. You know, if your teachers are a bunch of commies, which I'm guessing some of them at least are. Get some of your friends to just download the show on the iHeart on the iHeartRadio app on Spotify. Uh, and the podcast goes out very early now in the day. It's going to be going out even earlier So, yeah, people can listen. You can a lot of parts of the country now be able to listen around lunchtime. We're doing the podcast first and then we do the radio show. All right. TJ Buck, at what point is Trump going to go down to Georgia, start campaigning for those two Senate candidates? If he wants to be the GOP party leader, he needs to start acting like it. And please don't tell me he's not playing. He's playing 3D chess by not stumbling for them to mean to everyone else that's watching for every day he's not down there trying to defend the Senate from the Dems looks more and more like he's sulking what appears to be more and more like a likely loss for his 2020 re-election bid. If he truly believes he won the election, he should want the GOP to retain control in the Senate. And if he believes he lost, well, he should still want the GOP to retain control, especially if he expects to be the party leader going forward. Uh, TJ, I don't know if Trump, what what his plans are with that. and And I would like to see him get down there to Georgia. So I've got to look into this a little bit more. I definitely want the, the current president. Yes, that's right. He is still the current president to go down there and make the case and try to help out in Georgia. We need that. Um, Steven writes on proclaiming yourself hip. I'm with producer Mark and Margaret Thatcher. Being powerful is like being a lady. If you have to say you are, you are not. It's a good Thatcher line. Oh, oh the crown. Roasted. Producer Mark, you and Mrs. Mark should watch the crown. I think it was too stuffy and British for me. I'm yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I thought she might like it though. I'm try, I'm always trying to. I'm always trying to. You know, trying to win over, get some brownie points with Mrs. Mark because I yep. know she's the. She's got the keys to the kingdom. She does. So.
4: She really likes procedural
1: dramas. Okay, I've noticed we'll find that. Some, we'll find some good oh. stuff then for her to check out. All right, that's it, everybody. Bruce and Mark and I wish you a very, very happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back with you live on Monday. Shields High.